Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is EJ and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life and more. We'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. We hope that you will keep tuning in to learn with us and grow personally in your journey as parents. Gaming! Today, that's the topic for our podcast. Gaming and the associated problems of lack of control, addictions and difficult behaviours have taken the limelight in the media in recent years. Even among everyday parents, you can hear frequent complaints about children neglecting schoolwork or even sleep in favour of gaming. However, when does gaming become a problem? Moreover, what can we do to help our young children from being hooked onto games? Join me in welcoming a dear friend, Mr. Ray Chua. Ray is a senior clinical psychologist and he's been helping gamers with problematic gaming behaviour since 2009. So welcome to the show, Ray. Would you like to share with all of us more about yourself? Thanks, EJ. Great to be here today. I thought I'll just begin by sharing my personal journey on how I ended up working and helping gamers. I was born in the 70s and my childhood was in the 80s. And that, that was a time where... When were you born, EJ? 1979. Right. So maybe you can still remember <laughs> that era. That, that era where we had a lot of arcades, handhelds, consoles. You know, and we at the time, I was really started playing games, but not so much. Lah. And it is really after PSLE for me when I asked my parents for a reward. Basically asking them to buy me a personal computer. And after I got that reward in secondary school... I played almost all the free time I had after school. Of course, now that I'm a parent myself, I do understand why my parents then were very unhappy lah, with my gaming because uh, I was spending most of my free time playing games. So well, my mom would nag at me and ask me to focus more on my studies. But I, what I did then was really to show to them that I was able to manage both my studies as well as my gaming. And managed to do well enough to progress, you know. After secondary school, I went to JC. After that, went to uni. Did a degree in accountancy. After I graduated, continued to play games. After I got married, continued to play. Even after I had two daughters, I was still playing games. And now i played games for more than 35 years. Around 30 years old, I felt this calling to join the helping profession rather than stay in a commercial world. And I wanted to use this experience that I had, like, playing games. No, I was had this question in my mind, as in, I mean, I played a lot during my teenage years. Why was it that I could still progress from, from school to further education and then to work? But there are actually many gamers out there who struggle and would have a lot of problems with gaming and wanted to use that experience to help gamers. So I quit my job. I went back to school, did my degree in psychology, then went to do a master's and worked as a psychologist since like. So I hope you know, today I could share from the perspective of not just uh, a gamer, but also as a psychologist uh, and a parent of, of children who also play games. Uh, both my girls play, but they are quite casual. They are not like me. I consider myself a bit more competitive. In terms of work, I've been working with gamers, as you say, since 2009. That's where I was working with you at Touch Cyber Wellness. I started from there. 
Uh, then I moved on to a community mental health team uh, based at a hospital and worked with a lot of students, primary school, secondary school, JC students, who some of them had also gaming issues. Currently, I'm in another organization in the community uh, focusing on youth and adult mental health, taking out more of a leadership role. So I see clients less, but I still do training and training of counselors and therapists who are helping gamers. Thanks, Ray, for sharing your experience. And while it seems like gaming has really been a big part of your lives, uh, even up to today, you still can find time to play games. I'm super impressed with that. Earlier, you mentioned a point that even in our age, in our younger days, we play games. And I'm, I'm very sure the games of the yesteryears, you know, in our growing up years where we are playing things like Pac-Man, Space Invaders, all those and the arcade games, uh, they are very, very different from the mm. games that children, teenagers today are playing. Maybe you could help us, help all the parents tuning into this podcast to understand. Share with us briefly uh, the universe of games today and what are some of the popular games that teens, children are playing today? Sure. I think the main difference between the games that we used to play, uh, EJ, and the games that our kids are playing now is that games nowadays are played over the internet or what we call online. In nowadays, of course, the internet wasn't so widely used then. So for gaming, it was pretty much single player. But if you look at the different categories of games now, we can broadly categorize them into, say, online and offline games. So offline being games you can play without the internet. We also can split them into multiplayer, single player games. So multiplayer where you play with others and person play by, by yourself with the computer. And lastly, we can talk about different genres of games. Uh, so we have the more popular ones like first-person shooters, battle arena, strategy games, role-playing games, etc. So that those are the categories, if you like of games that are available today. In terms of what are the popular games, I've not worked with uh, primary school kids for a while now, but from what I know now, the popular games are still games like Roblox, Minecraft, Fortnite. I was recently looking at this subreddit, uh, Ask Singapore, and there was someone asking what's popular with our kids nowadays. These are some of the games that they also mentioned. It was mentioned also Among Us, lah, but I'm not sure whether Among Us is already, uh, people are still playing that game. It used to be quite popular uh, a while ago. For secondary school, I think we see more of the teens playing games like Mobile Legends. I think that's still very popular. Valorant, Call of Duty, PUBG. So more of the shooters. These are more of the online shooters, competitive games. A lot of times, parents also would ask me, are these games good or not? Are these games okay? Are these games addictive? Whether the kids should be playing these games? I think there's a lot that goes into whether what makes a game addictive or in the industry, they call it persuasive games. We don't have the time to go into a lot of detail here today, but I can give you all some general guide as to what could be helpful or what could be less addictive. Generally, I think that online games are definitely more addictive than offline games. Multiplayer games are more addictive than single-player games. Competitive games are more addictive than casual games. Though nowadays, it's very hard to find offline games. I would suggest to parents if they are really uh, looking for more suitable games or less addictive games so-called for their kids, perhaps they can look at single-player games, games that are played more casually, that means not really to compete, not really for ranking, not really for rewards. So those would be less problematic in my opinion. Thanks, Ray, for sharing with us and giving us some of these insights into the popular games that children and teenagers play today. I'm sure as you were Listing down all the names of the game titles, it uh, really strikes a chord amidst of all the parent 
uh, listeners as well. I am very sure you and I, we've been working in this industry for many years and many parents would often come to us, you know, and say, hey, Ray, hey, EJ, you know, my child just cannot stop playing and uh, I don't understand why, all right? Maybe you could bring us through to help parents to better understand all these uh, mobile games, internet games. What is the draw behind all of them. We all know that playing games is usually more fun. We can all agree on that than, than doing homework. So what is the draw and what could be possibly happening beneath the surface for our young people? If we ask parents, even the kids themselves, why they're playing games, the common response will be it's fun. But that is just the surface. I think fun is definitely a reason or factor. I would think one of the most important things that parents need to understand or need to do is to manage their children's gaming behaviours is really to understand the underlying motivations. Why is playing games important for them over things like homework? In my experience working with gamers and many gamers who had problems with gaming, I would categorize these motivations into three different areas. And I would say that our children are actually meeting their needs uh, through gaming in these three different ways. So first is the need or the underlying motivation is that for achievement. They're looking for a sense of achievement. I remember one of my primary six clients that I used to work with some time ago. He actually wrote a letter to his mother about his gaming. Now He said that he knows he will not do well for PSLE. He says, nope, not going to do well. He's in the football team, but he knows he'll never be the captain of the football team. He'll not excel in that regard. But in Blackshot, he is somebody. Blackshot is a game that was one of the popular first-person shooters. And he was playing that game and he felt that he was achieving. He was somebody who is very good at the game and being admired for his skill in Blackshot. So our kids, they get a sense of significance and achievement through games when they cannot meet this need or this sense of achievement in the real world. And a lot of our kids who are underachieving in the real world, in real life, they are vulnerable in seeking this sense of achievement in gaming. So that's the first thing, achievement. Secondly is social need. Then when I played games in the 80s, I was all one out. But now, a days, if you don't play games, you are probably the only one out, for boys in particular. So gaming is a very common conversation topic among boys in particular. And I think many of the clients that I see, they tend to be quite lonely. Some are even loners, no, no friends in school, in the real life. But in the gaming world, they have actually have many friends. And these friends give them companionship, friendship, admiration. Why wouldn't our kids want to be playing games? Where That's where all their friends are at. A lot of our kids are also meeting their social needs through gaming. And the last reason, the last motivation, I think the most important one, actually there was a study done in Singapore quite a number of years ago by Angeline Koo. I, I think EJ knows her as well. And it was a very big Singaporean study. And the key motivation or, or one of the key reasons why our kids play so much is also this motivation to escape, is to escape from problems. Why is gaming so helpful or so easily chosen as a way to escape? Because gaming is nowadays is so accessible, whether it's on a phone or laptop or tablet, it's very cheap. Some games are free. Okay, you're maybe paying for the electricity to charge your devices. You hardly need to pay for games. There are a lot of free to play games. And it, it is also very effective in a way where when they play games, they lose track of time. They go into what we call in psychology a, a flow state, F L O W, flow state, where you lose track of time. Right? So time passes without you being aware. And that helps them to escape from having to think about their problems, say in school, at home, friends, with their mental health, with relationships. And a lot of our kids who are struggling actually are playing games because they have problems in their life which 
they find it challenging to resolve. And gaming is so effective in helping them to forget, escape, to run away from problems. So these, I think, are three of the motivations that parents need to be aware of. It's not just because a game is fun. It is, but it's usually deeper than that. Indeed, as we look at gaming, it's not just so straightforward, right? Behind all the shooting, the strategy and all that, we're actually talking about the needs of the child or the gamer uh, that's being met. To all our Paranet Podcast listeners, we hear the gem of wisdom that Ray is actually sharing with us that indeed understanding the motivations of our young people as they play video games, mobile games and all those is actually a very crucial uh, first step to better manage their gaming uh, behaviors so you understand why they are going to that world to be playing just a recap of what ray has mentioned maybe it's for a social need maybe it's a sense of achievement that they may feel and for most young people based on his experience and even my experience as well it's a form of what we call like escapism escaping from the real world problems that they might be facing even as we talk about games today when does gaming become a problem can you share with all the parents listening in what are some red flags that parents should be looking out for in their children with regards to like gaming? When does it become excessive? Or if I may borrow a term that parents commonly use, when does it become an addiction, inverted commas? Yeah, I think that's a question that you and I often get, right? When does gaming cross that line from so-called normal or okay manageable to addiction? where I think many parents get very worried then think about where to seek help for their kids. I would like to reference, rather than from my own personal experience, I think it's important to also reference from the standards. So I'm looking at the WHO's uh, International Classification of Diseases, the ICD-11's criteria for gaming disorder. So that's how they term gaming addiction. And so what are the criteria? So there's four main criteria that I would like to share with the audience. First is uh, impaired control. So losing control over their gaming, needing to stop, but finding that they cannot stop. So con- control is impaired. Secondly, is the increasing priority given to gaming that it takes precedence over the, uh, other interests, your daily activities. So for example, gaming is more important than sleep. Gaming is more important than food. Gaming is more important than going to school. So all this will show increased priority of gaming over other important things in life. So third criteria is continuing to game despite negative consequences. So where they are failing, they are getting a lot of trouble at school, they are having a lot of quarrels at home, parents about their gaming, but still they will persist. They continue to play. Their gaming is not stopped. It continues. So that's the third criteria. Fourth one is very important. The functioning needs to be affected because there are gamers out there who play a lot, but they can still manage their life pretty well. For it to be a disorder, it needs to affect the functioning of the gamer. So in terms of their personal life, family life, social life, their education or their occupation or their work, their adults. And these are the four main criteria. So all four need to be present to qualify for the ICD diagnosis. And generally, we also want to see that it's about 12 months, a period of 12 months that is present. It's not like uh, just for a shorter period of time, unless it's very severe. So what can parents do? I think we all know that prevention is better than cure. Some general advice for different groups of parents. Firstly, for parents with younger children, then later for parents with the older bunch. So for the younger children, my general advice is that 
try as much as possible to delay the introduction of games. So young children, very young children, uh, you're talking about preschool or even the early primary school, they actually don't need to start so young to, to play games. Now, there are many different things that they can learn to build up their, in terms of their developmental milestone. So delay as much as long as you can. Delay giving them a mobile phone that can access online apps. You know, you can give them a Nokia 3310, but not some phone that can go online. Focus on strengthening your relationship. So this is a period of time where you really, you can deposit into their emotional bank account and you know, build the relationship. Uh, you will need it because when the time comes, uh, because sooner or later, they'll start using devices, playing games, and you need to instill boundaries, rules, and even at some point, discipline them. And you will then tap on this reservoir of relationship that you have built with them over the years. And they will know that you're actually disciplining them out of love and not anger. For the other kids who are already playing games, like what EJ reiterated, really understand their motivations. And that can be more than one motivation, it can be all three. So once you understand their motivation, you can then help them to meet that need in the real world. So for example, achievement. I managed to get one of my clients to be crazy about football instead of gaming. So that could be one way, right? To get him assess our achievement. So when he became a better footballer, his team won second place in the competition, he got some sense of achievement from a real-world activity. So for social needs, really helping our kids to build healthy relationships, friendships in the real world. From those who are escaping from their uh, problems, really supporting them to deal with their problems so that they don't have that strong need to escape then into the virtual world. So I think really, end of the day, I also want to say that what I see very often in gamers with problems is that the relationship between the parent and the child usually becomes very strained because the parents come down very hard on the kids when they are you know, playing non-stop, right? Parents get very frustrated. They shout at the kids, hear some stories, they pull out the Wi-Fi and all that. And what happens is that later on when the parents try to help them, the kid becomes not so receptive because of the strained relationship. So really, I just want to recommend parents who are listening in, try to understand a kid. You regulate yourself first before you discipline a child. Okay, don't discipline out of anger. Control yourself. Really think about what are the motivations of a child and, and work to help the child. Like what we always say, uh, address the problem but love the child. Not easy, I know, but this is something that we believe will ultimately be helpful. I'll just end off some general advice. I know some parents would have children who they think have crossed the line. They are like struggling. They might need professional help. There are organizations and agencies out there that do provide help for gamers. Cross focus on the family counseling also helps gamers if you uh, have worries or concerns about your kids gaming. Wow. Thank you so much, Ray, for sharing these practical handles for all the parents that are tuning in, you know, I think you rightfully covered about how even parents of young children start by delaying some of the access to digital devices or games for their children. Not just delaying for the sake of delaying, but using those opportunities to educate the kids. If there's a need for them to be playing, or the parents, I'm sure, could play together and through that process, talk more and have those conversations with them. Even for the older children who are already playing games, uh, we come back to understanding their motivations and meeting those needs in their lives, be it social needs, be it, you know, getting them to try new activities, helping them to make sense, find meaning and purpose in their lives. But I really love, Ray, what you mentioned that amidst of all these things, one thing really stands out and that is the parent-child relationship. It is the key to really connect with them, to gain a better understanding in their world, to have empathy even into what the children are facing. And from there, we strategize our approach because different child, different personality, different type, and we need to sort of like tailor our approaches, but it's all built on the foundation 
of having a good connected relationship with them. So your connection, parents, as you're tuning in, your connection with your child is the best tool to successfully managing what we call problematic gaming behavior. So really, I want to encourage all of us, uh, do all we can to strengthen this connection. Well, in this short conversation over this podcast, we have learned so much about the red flags surrounding gaming and the motivations that may drive different children and youth to gaming. In addition, you know what Ray has shared with us, you know, we've picked up some useful handles, you know, what to do if we find out that our children are getting a bit too absorbed into the gaming world. Thank you, Ray, for giving us such an insightful perspective as we wrap up this uh, Paranet podcast. Do you have some words to leave with our listeners? Just again, emphasizing on building that strong relationship as a foundation for issues in our kids' life. I think as parents, we are all not perfect. We all learn. As we learn to become better parents, I think it will also lead us to a more fulfilling relationship with our children. Indeed, and Ray has rightfully mentioned to us that there are opportunities and there are avenues of help that parents can reach out to. So parents, if you are really feeling very challenged or struggling, don't fight the battle alone. Always stretch out and reach out for help. So once again, thank you so much, Ray, a really good friend, for taking time to speak with all of us on this Paranet podcast. He's a senior clinical psychologist, rich experience, speaking with and a lot of parents and children as well. So to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode. And if you do need further resources on cyber wellness, do check out our website at www.family.org.sg or you can write in to us to share your thoughts and comment at parentat.family.org.sg. We hope you can share this podcast with a friend or a parent who might find this podcast really helpful for them. And so be sure to catch us on our next Parentet podcast. Until next time, have a great week ahead with your family. Oh,